Hey, everybody, if I can have your attention, this is a family service, as you know, and we are filling up. We still have people coming in. So if you are in a row where there are like seats in the middle and, and you're willing and able, and even if you're unwilling but you're able, please uh, scoot to the inside so that people coming in on the aisles will have a, a place to sit and uh, just see if we can help each other out. We want everybody to have, um, have a good spot. And it is great to see everybody, and we welcome our students and our children today. Uh, I want to just start off by saying Happy New Year and a welcome to Southwinds 2019. You know, a huge part uh, of our vision as a church is our deep conviction that God can actually change our lives. We really believe that, and we believe that 2019 is going to be a year of huge change for us as a church. Uh, physically, we're going to be moving into our brand new worship space in March. We're excited about that and just to see all the progress that's happening. Uh, more importantly, spiritually, we are planning and we are praying for many people to come to Christ and for many, many people to grow closer to Christ. And because of this, we're kicking off this new year by looking at some important ways that God wants to revolutionize our lives. Now, many of us make New Year's resolutions, and so last Sunday and then today and then next Sunday, uh, we are seeing how God wants to do some New Year's revolutions in our lives, how he wants to change us. And today we're talking about the, the biggest uh, one of all, getting into God's Word. See, nothing will revolutionize your life more than encountering God in his Word on a daily basis. And one of the principles we teach over and over again at Southwinds is that spiritual growth doesn't happen by accident. Now, God supplies the power for spiritual growth. We can't generate that on our own. But spiritual growth always requires our participation. Spiritual growth only happens as we make commitments, as we take practical steps for our lives. So you have to decide. You have to take action See, real life change will only take place as you are choosing in your life to build new habits and build new commitments into uh, your daily life. And that's why the most life-transforming habit that we can develop is the consistent intake of God's Word. You know, many of us right now, we're dealing with problems and issues and challenges, and we don't know what to do. We don't know how to think about those things. We don't know how to move forward. And maybe we don't because we're not consistently getting into God's word. See, to receive God's guidance and wisdom, we have to read the Bible. Just think about it like this. God is the creator of life. Would you agree with that? Uh, the Bible tells us that God has designed life to be lived in certain ways. We believe that God knows the best way to live. Amen. And he has revealed these things to us in his word. But you see, to live God's way, you have to know what God says. And to know what God says, you have to read his book. In fact, I'll just go a step further and say this. You will never really grow spiritually without regular intake of the word of God. That is why Deuteronomy 32 verses 46 and 47 says this. Take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. They are not just idle words for you. They are your life. The word of God is not idle words. The word of God is your life. And I just want to tell you, if you treat the scriptures as idle words, in other words, words that aren't that important, words that are sort of optional for you, you can take them or you can leave them. If you treat them as idle words, you will forfeit life. Think about it this way. The Bible says, first of all, that our physical lives depend on God's word. It is by God's word that we are created. Psalm 33, 6, Hebrews eleven three. God upholds all things by the word of his power. Hebrews 1, 3. Our spiritual lives, secondly, begin 
by the word of God. James 1.18 says he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. 1 Peter 1.23 says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So not only do we, we, we live physically by God's word, not only are we born spiritually by God's word, we also continue to live spiritually by God's word. In fact, in Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus said this, familiar words, man does not live on what? Bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. God has given us a gift in his word. And the question is, are you opening that gift? So we've got a lot of kids here right now. I have a real quick, quick question for you kids. Do, do any of you have any Christmas presents that you have not opened yet? Any of you here? I didn't think so. We open gifts that we value, correct? Things that are important is we open them when they're gifts. And because this is true today, I am encouraging you, and I'll, I'll even put it this way. I am, I am pleading with you today to give yourselves to the reading of God's word in 2019. See, I'm going to be showing you uh, this morning why it is so important. And then at the end of the message, I'm going to give you some steps uh, to begin and build this life-changing habit if it's not already in your life. And I want to do this by going to uh, Psalm 19, and we're going to focus in on verses 7 through 11. So if you have a copy of your Bible, get it open there. If you don't have something with you, uh, you can follow on the screen. This is the word of the Lord. David, the psalmist, writes these words. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Now, here's how we're going to frame our time together today. I want you to see four different claims that the Bible makes for itself from these verses. And along with that, we're going to see four promises that God makes to you if you will know and you'll live his word. And then we're going to wrap our time up together by uh, proposing a plan that you can enter into uh, for 2019 to get into God's word. So here's the first claim. You can write this down on your message notes. Uh, the Bible is incredible. The Bible is incredible. The Bible is a supernatural book. We believe the Bible is unique. It's in a class by itself. There is no other book anywhere in the world like this book. The Bible is incredible. Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. It's perfect. Jesus said it even more succinctly in John 17, 17. He's praying to his father and he said, your word is truth. It's truth. Think about this. Everything that God says is true. Everything. Everything in this book is truth. This book will never lead you astray. See, that's why God's word is trustworthy God's word is the only book that won't ever let you down. And that's why you need to read it every day. Now, God's word is incredible for many reasons, but one reason is the most important of all, and it's this. The Bible is where we meet God and we get to know God. Now, we did not read Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6, but you should Read this entire psalm as soon as you have a chance. It's a wonderful psalm. C.S. Lewis says that he believes this is the most beautiful poem in the entire book of 150 psalms. But I want to point out something from these first handful of verses. In verses 1 through 6, David talks about how God's creation reveals God. And these are beautiful words. But I want you to notice something in the flow of this entire psalm that we see. Verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Now that word God is translating the Hebrew word Elohim. 
And the Hebrew word Elohim is the kind of general or generic name for God. And it's signaling to us something important. Creation tells us some things about God. We learn from creation that there is a God and that, it, that he must be powerful to create all that we see. We, we learn that he must be a glorious and big and, and great God. We, we see that he must be up there somewhere. He's above all things. But that's kind of about it. It's just general stuff. You could put it this way. The heavens or creation tell us that God is. But the word, the word tells us who God is, who God is. The word tells us God's actual name. And the heavens can't tell you God's name. The heavens can't save you. The word of God, the gospel, that is what saves us. And that's why we see David in verse 7 use the word Lord. Did you notice that? You'll see in your English translations the word Lord, and it's in all caps, and that's a That's a signal to us. Most English translations do this. They're telling us that this is God's personal name, the name Yahweh. And and so when we start talking about God's word, we start talking about God's personal name, not just a title, his actual intimate personal name. See, creation tells us that God is, that God exists, but the word tells us who God is, what God desires, what God is like, how God sent his son to save us how he was crushed in our place and he died and he rose again so that we might know the Father. The word tells us that God is sovereign over all things, that God is near and not far, that God is for us and he is not against us. See, the word is how we most know who God is, not from creation. We know this God because his word has revealed it to us. And so we come to the written word, the Bible, to encounter the living word. We read the Bible not just to know information, but to know the God who loves us, who is for us, who is near us, the God who sent his only son to save us. We want to know more of him. We want to know what he is like. We want to know what he wants of us. And that does not happen apart from God's word. Think about it this way. This is just really common sense. Uh, You cannot love someone or know someone without using words in some way, right? I mean, try to have deep friendships in your life without using words. Try to be vulnerable. You know, share your fears. You know, uh, hear from someone else their hopes and dreams. Maybe even confess your sins to someone without using words. You can't do it. You know, try and love your spouse without words. Some of you husbands think this is possible, (laughs) But you can't do it. And all of God's women, all the wives said, amen, Amen, right? It doesn't work that way. You need words. You know, actions are essential, yes. But eventually you have to use words. I mean, all the kids are in here right now. So, you know, think about this. Try and raise your kids without words. It fails. I mean, it fails a lot of the time with words, right? I mean, try... Try imagining doing it without words at all. See, to know someone and to love someone, to relate to someone, you have to use words to do this well. And here's the point. We would never attempt to do this in any other relationship in our lives because we know we need words. And yet, we will do this with God's word. We'll go days even weeks without listening to the word of God. I mean, how foolish is it of us to think that we can know what God wants and what God is like and how we can receive his love apart from his word, apart from the time that it takes for us to read it and absorb it and to dig into it so we can understand what he has revealed to us. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. You know, God's law is perfect, but your soul is not. Every day you are tempted to believe the wrong things and feel the wrong things and and trust in the wrong things. You're, You're tempted to believe lies. And so your soul becomes exhausted. You know, the further away you get from God's word, the more your soul gets weighed down. Have you ever discovered that? And when your soul is weighed down, everything else in life is too. 
I wonder how many of you have ever experienced this, a, a time in your life where you, you, know, you feel tired and you can't figure out why. So you ask yourself, you kind of run through a checklist, you ask yourself probably at first, is it, is it like just purely physical? Am I eating healthy foods? And, you know, probably not right now <laughs> um, after the holidays, but maybe you can say, yes, mostly I'm trying to eat clean. Um, you ask yourself, am I sleeping well? And let's say the answer is most of the time I'm sleeping okay at night. Then you ask yourself, am I exercising? Let's say the answer is yes. And then you have to ask yourself, well, why am I still tired then? Nothing is wrong physically, but I feel exhausted right now. Here's a question. Have I been in the Word consistently? Have I sat in God's presence and listened to Him speak through His Word? And if the answer is no, let me tell you, it is no wonder you're exhausted. It is no wonder your soul is weighed down. It is no wonder that all of your life just feels heavy. You need to hear from God. You need to hear from Him. See, there is more to rest than sleep and diet and exercise. Our souls need to be revived, and that only happens as we hear God's voice in His words. Do you understand your soul needs to hear the one your soul was made to hear? You need to hear from Him. You know, I said a while ago, and we believe this, God is the only true source of life, and it is when you hear His word that you are receiving His life. Now, I'm not saying that if you're in the Word, you'll never be tired or frustrated. We live in a broken, fallen world. You're going to experience those things. But if you neglect God's Word on a regular basis, I'm just telling you those things are going to be worse. If you're not walking with God in His Word on a regular basis, anxiety feels worse. Stress and frustration feel worse. Broken relationships feel worse. See, we cannot know God apart from his word. His law is perfect. It revives our souls. It refreshes us. Look at the promise that we see. The psalmist says, knowing the Bible brings deep joy. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. See, when you realize that this book is not just black and white words on a page, but it's God's love letter to you. You cannot help but be filled with joy. And when you stop and you really, really realize that the God of the universe has spoken and he's revealed himself and he's put it down in a book and he's given that book to you, he's spoken to you, it should lead you to such profound gratitude. The God who made all things, he wants to speak to you and he wants you to hear from him See, when you are hearing from the one that your soul was made for, it brings deep satisfaction and deep joy. I'm just telling you today, if you want to know more joy in your life, part of the way you will do that is you spend more time meeting God in his word. Read the Bible. There's a second claim the Bible makes for itself, and that is the Bible is enlightening. It's not just supernatural. It's not just from God. It has practical value in daily life. Verse 8 in the NLT says, The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight to life. Why don't you circle clear? Sometimes we find ourselves thinking that the Bible is hard to understand. But God says his word is clear. See, if we find that the Bible isn't clear, sometimes we make the mistake of assuming that the problem is with the Bible instead of inside of us. I have a suggestion for you. If you're having trouble understanding the Bible, assume that the problem is not in the Bible, but it's inside you. That's the best way to approach this. There could be a lot of reasons why. Uh, one of them is this, this, this. Sometimes the Bible isn't clear, clear to us because we just need to learn some things we don't know yet. We just need to learn some more things. And so we should keep reading and we should talk to friends maybe who are farther down the path. And maybe you ask questions of a pastor. Or you find other resources that you can study. But you don't do what so many people do. I don't understand this, so I'm just going to quit. I'm going to give up. I'm not going to read anymore. Sometimes the Bible isn't clear to us because our thinking needs correction. 
We have views of the world that are informed more by culture than by God. And so we need to spend more time in God's word. We need to submit to his wisdom. And as we do that, as we absorb the word more and more, the Bible becomes more and more clear. Sometimes the Bible isn't clear. This is where it's getting a little difficult, okay? Sometimes the Bible isn't clear because we don't like what it says. You ever had that happen? I don't understand this. And the truth is, if you get honest, the reason you don't understand it is you, you do understand it. You just don't want to admit it because you don't, you don't want to do what it says. See, some of us ignore the clearest teaching in the Bible because we don't want to do them. Some of us have this tendency, and if this is you, you know who you are, to focus on these side issues that just distract us. They're, they're not really central issues, but we're avoiding doing the things that God wants us to do. Well, we could go on with uh, examples, but whatever the issue is, assume the problem is not with the Bible and keep reading and trust that God will open your eyes to the truth of his commands. Now, there's a promise that follows this claim, and it's this, applying the Bible's truth guides me through life. The Bible is a practical instruction book on how to live. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, Paul says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. So the Bible is useful. When we get off track, the Bible's like a compass that reorients us and puts us back. When we begin to drift, we make bad choices. God's word shows us the right path to get on. When life becomes overwhelming and confusing, we lose our bearings. God's word points us in the right direction about every issue in life. I mean, do you want in your life, to have a marriage that is fulfilling and rich and profound? The Bible tells you how that can happen. Uh, Do you want to know how to raise your kids in a culture that is so destructive in so many ways, how to raise them to grow up to be healthy and spiritually wise? We have to look in the Bible. Are you dealing today, anybody here, with temptations? Are you dealing with habits Are you dealing with sins, maybe even addictions in your life, and you just can't seem to conquer them? The Bible has the wisdom you need to face those things. Maybe you're wondering how to have healthier relationships, how to resolve conflict in a healthy way. The Bible is filled with examples and with teaching. Maybe maybe you're wondering how do I manage my finances? How, how, do I, how, how do I handle the things that God has entrusted with me? The Bible is filled, filled with teachings about what God expects of us as we handle the resources he entrusts us with. So here's the bottom line. Life just works so much better when you choose to do it God's way. How many of you have discovered that in your life? It just works better when you do it God's way. And as we begin to engage the Bible, and as our knowledge increases, here's what happens. We build this reservoir of truth, and that reservoir gets deeper and deeper and deeper, and we have resources to draw from, not just Bible facts and Bible stories, but insights and wisdom and principles that help us make wise decisions so that we can live the kind of life that God wants us to live. Now, how important is that? Well, when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness by Satan, at one point, Jesus spoke these familiar words to Satan. He said, people need more than bread for their life. They must feed on every word of God. Jesus is saying here that what food is to our physical existence, the word of God is to our spiritual existence. You know, I was thinking this week, um, I've been a Christian for a long time. I was blessed to be raised in a home um, of a pastor, and it was 49 years ago this month Uh, 49 years ago, in Prunedale, California, I used to live in Prunedale, be jealous, Um, it was a foggy day, I remember that, and my dad uh, invited me into his office, we lived right across the street from the church, I was kind of wandering around, and my dad led me to faith in Jesus Christ. I have been walking with Jesus in different stages and different ways for 49 years. And in all that time, I have never seen anybody who was a growing Christian, 
who is living a life of effectiveness, being changed by God, who is not regularly saturating their life with the truth of Scripture. We need to read the Bible every day. Here's the third claim the Bible makes for itself. The Bible is infallible. Or excuse me, invaluable. The Bible is invaluable. So how do you, how do you see the Bible? This is how you value or ascribe worth to the Bible. Is the Bible a treasure to you? Look, look what verses 9 through 11 say. The fear of the Lord is pure. And by the way, I'm not going to go into this, but in this context right here, that phrase fear of the Lord is referring to God's word. That's what it means in this context. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. See, here we discover that the principles and insights gained from God's word are more valuable to your life than your bank account or your retirement portfolio. I have a question for you. You have a choice today. You can have $10 million, or you can have deep, profound knowledge of the Word of God. One or the other. What are you going to choose? It's a hard choice, isn't it? Our hearts are drawn in certain ways, aren't they? Like, I find myself thinking, God, I think I could do both. <laughs> right? Could we work that out? God, sounds like a good deal. The question really is about what do you want? Would you be willing to sacrifice knowledge of God's word for money? Or do you value, do you value knowing God through his word more than having a lot of stuff? See, this, this, this passage is so clear. It's way better to have God's word. And then it, the psalmist goes on to say that when we follow God's word and obey God's word, then those, those, those statutes, those commands are sweet. You could put it this way. The Bible is better than money or honey. Just think about it. I mean, I could probably wrap that, but I'm not cool enough. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting. Now, Judaism has a great ritual that visually portrays this passage. And here's how it goes. Uh, the rabbi would take a copy of God's Old Testament scriptures, opened up and to this passage in Psalm 19. And then they will put a drop of honey on the page of the Bible, right on this verse. It says the laws of the Lord are sweet. And then they will invite up a boy in the congregation, probably usually a 10 or 11-year-old boy, and they will instruct that boy to put his tongue on that honey, which is on the Scriptures, the Word of God. It's this powerful visual that, that's reminding us of the sweetness of the word of God. The psalmist says that's how God's word is for us. And a part of that sweetness is that there is great reward in God's word as we live it and apply it and we, we obey it. That's the promise actually right here. Living by the Bible brings great reward. Do you want to be rewarded in this life? Well, do what God says. Obey God's word. But you have to live it out. It's not enough to know it. But see, if you're going to live it out, you have to know it. And in order for you to know it, you've got to dig into it for yourself. It's not, just, it's not enough for you to come and just listen to a sermon once a week. Say, so how do you do that? Well, I want to give you three words which kind of unpack this. This is from Joshua 1.8, uh, which says, Study this book of the law continually. Meditate on it day and night so you may be sure to obey all that is written in it. Only then will you succeed. So first you have to study. I mean, you have to dig in. This is not just like casually uh, surfing the thousands of shows on Netflix or swiping mindlessly through pictures on Instagram or on Facebook. You must personally dig in and mine the valuable gold nuggets of God's truth. Uh, John Piper once said, you know, it's pretty easy to rake, you know, just to rake across the ground. But he said, when you rake, all you get is leaves. Digging is harder, he said, but when you dig, you may discover diamonds. 
And that's how it is with God's word. We, we dig into it. We study because we value it. We want to hear what God has to say to us. And then it also says we should meditate on God's word. This means we think on it and chew on it over and over. And as we do that, it begins to seep into our hearts and into our minds. And we begin to be renewed. Our, our thoughts change and our attitudes change. Our emotions start to get transformed. We have perspective to make better decisions because we are learning from God to think like God. Then he goes on to say, we also need to obey. There's a great passage of Scripture with a wonderful analogy about this in James chapter 1. Maybe you know it. Verses 22 through 24 say, obey God's message. Don't fool yourselves by just listening to it. If you hear the message and don't obey it, you are like people who stare at themselves in a mirror and forget what they look like as soon as they leave. Now, that's a great analogy because mirrors are brutally honest. In fact, I'm sure there's a few of us who have been brutalized by a mirror in the wake of this holiday season, right? You know, it's been a hard experience standing there in front of the mirror and reality slapping us in the face. But you see, the point of the mirror is not just to reveal reality, but to show us what needs to be done. And the word of God is the same way. It accurately diagnoses us, but it accurately from that prescribes a remedy. Listen to verse 25. James says, But you must never stop looking at the perfect law that sets you free. God will bless you in everything you do if you listen and obey. And don't just hear and forget. So this week, when you open God's word and you read God's word and God tells you something that you need to do in your life, that you need to obey in your life, you need to, two words, do it. Just do what God says. There's great reward when you do that. One final claim. Number four, the Bible is infallible. See, the Bible is perfect. It's practical. It's never going to lead us astray. Listen to verse seven again. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. I want you to circle that word reviving again, and I want you to focus in on this promise that's here for us. Feeding on the Bible nourishes my soul. I believe this small phrase reveals at the heart of what God wants to do in the Bible for our lives. The Bible, as I said a while ago, is the means by which we get to know God. See, and as we get to know God, it nourishes our soul. So we should read the Bible every day for nourishment, or some translations say reviving. Some translations say refreshment. I have a question for you. Maybe write this down and think about it. What do you do to get revived? When your soul needs refreshment, where do you go? Like you come home from work and it's been one of those days. Anybody have one of those days this last week? What do you do? Or, or maybe you're just discouraged about a problem. It's been in your life for a long time and you, you can't figure out what to do. Or, or what do you do when you've had a relational blow up or when you're sometimes like just bored and you're just looking for something to pick you up? What do you do for soul refreshment? You're in a movie, you go to the gym. Do you go out for something to eat, post some pictures on Instagram? Do you go shopping, go hang out with some friends, play a video game? And then whatever it is you do, here's my question. How's that working for you? Is that refreshing your soul? So here's the thing I think we often do. We often escape when we need to be refreshed. We often just get away and avoid when we need something that will change us to deal with whatever it is that's causing us to need refreshment. See, there's a big difference between refreshment and escape. Now, there's nothing wrong with escape on occasion, but sometimes we just use escape to avoid dealing with what's really causing problems in our lives, and we don't get renewed. And sometimes when you need to be refreshed... Why don't you read the Bible? God says right here, it will revive your soul. 
Why don't you read the Bible? I'm telling you, it will refresh your soul. I'm not saying that you're going to feel euphoria every time you open the pages of Scripture. I don't. But I am saying if you make it a habit, you will find refreshment over the long haul. And so many of us are trying to get our needs met in so many different ways, and those ways are not working. And we need to come back to the thing that actually works, and that is encountering God in his word, taking that word in, letting it renew us, letting it give us wisdom so we can follow God. We need to have the attitude Peter talks about in this verse. You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you can grow into the fullness of your salvation. Cry out for the nourishment as a baby cries for milk. And we need that nourishment every single day. D.L. Moody once said, a man can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough for the next six months. Some of us tried to do that on Christmas, I think. It doesn't work, right? He said he, can, he, he cannot take sufficient air into his lungs at one time to sustain his life for a week. He said, we must draw upon God's boundless store of grace from day to day as we need it. That daily grace is found in the word of God. Psalm 1611 says, you will teach me how to live a holy life. Being with you will fill me with joy. At your right hand, I will find pleasure forever. So God fills us with his joy, with his satisfaction, with his pleasure But there's a problem, and the problem is that life always causes leaks. Have you ever noticed? We lose our joy, and that's why we need to keep coming back to God's Word. That's why we need a fresh uh, store of God's grace, God's Word for us. You see, the point is you keep your soul filled up with God and His power, and that comes by knowing God and His Word. Now, with all that in mind, let me propose a plan for this year for you. It's a very simple three-part plan, and I want this to be very practical. Here's the first part of the plan. Make daily reading of God's Word a priority. Can we talk? Here's the truth, okay? We do what is important to us. Can we agree on this? We do what is important to us. And so what that means in the context of what I'm saying right now is if you're not regularly getting into God's word, it says something about how you value it. Can we agree about that? Like, I'd like to actually hear if you agree with me on this. This may not apply to you in your life, but you're sure it probably applies to someone who's in your row, right? Just say yes for them if you don't want to say it for you. you know? We do what is important to us. And I'm also going to say this just to be real frank. Some of us need to repent. Some of us need to ask God's forgiveness for how we have not made his word a priority in our lives. Now, I'm not saying you need to stay down there and beat yourself up about it. If you ask God for forgiveness, God promises to forgive you. You receive that forgiveness and you get up and you move on. But then you make a plan and you begin to make God's word a priority. See, the way you do that is you you plan. You cannot make it a priority apart from a plan. Real quickly, three practical suggestions for making God's word a priority. Number one, make a time. Pick a time. You know, do it at that time as much as you possibly can. Second, find a place, a place that's as free as possible from distractions. I have another thing to attach to this. This little thing that you carry around with you, the phone, don't take the phone to that place when you're reading God's Word. Put it somewhere else, okay? You know why I'm saying that. Don't need to explain that. And then third, find a reading plan. Again, John Piper has a great quote. He says, Most Christians neglect their Bibles not out of conscious disloyalty to Jesus, but because of a failure to plan a time and place and method to read it. That's so true. And because that is true, we have... Uh, here uh, today, before you leave, you're going to get a chance to pick up. Uh, we have three pieces of paper that you can pick up before you leave if, if they will serve you. And the first one is going to look like this. It's a discipleship journal Bible reading plan. Now, if you've been around here very long, you've seen me recommend this. You've probably heard me talk about this. I've actually been following this plan 
for over 20 years. I don't even remember when I exactly started it, sometime 20 or more years ago. It really suits me. I really like it. I like it because it takes me through the Bible in a year, and it does that by having me be in different parts of the Bible every day. There's actually four tracks, two in the Old Testament, two in the New Testament, every single day. And I can read those. I'm in all parts of God's Word. In addition to that, this plan has you reading 25 days a month. You say, well, there's more days in a month than that. Exactly. Because almost always you'll miss a day. Can I get a witness? And so I like this plan because I miss sometimes. Stuff happens sometimes and I get behind and it gives me a chance to catch up. I don't get so behind that I'm discouraged. Um, Now, some of you are going to say, well, that's too much. I can't read that much. That may be the case. And if that's the case, you can still use this plan and you could like do two readings a day and you could go through the Bible in two years. There's nothing wrong with that. That would be a great thing to do if you've never read God's Word before. Some of you might still say, that's still too much for me. I think I could handle one reading a day. That's cool. Then you can do this and go through the Bible in four years. I'm not telling you how much you need to read. I'm telling you, you need to make a plan. You need to make a plan. Now, some of you might think the whole Bible, first time I've ever done this, too daunting for me. We have another option for you. This is also from Discipleship Journal. It's the 5 by 5 by 5 Bible reading plan. And it's basically this. It's five minutes, five days a week, as you go through a chapter at a time. And you will follow this. If you follow this plan, you will read the entire New Testament in a year. In a year. So this is an option. Some of you will be served by this. You can pick that up. And then a third option is still a New Testament reading plan, a little more intense. This is called NT90. You've been around long at Southwinds. You've seen this before. We've challenged you with this before. Uh, Basically, if you read three chapters in the New Testament every day, you will read the entire New Testament in three months. And so if you would like this plan, that means you could, if you wanted to, you could read the New Testament four times in a year. That would be a pretty amazing thing to do. It's possible to do it if you have a plan. You say, well, I don't like any of those plans. (laughs) Well, my answer is, uh, I don't care. (laughs) And I'm not saying you should pick one of these plans. I'm just saying, if you don't like those plans, then get another plan. Pick your own plan. You know, just my point is get a plan. You need to get this into your life. And there are so many other options that are out there. There are Bibles where they divide the readings up day by day by day. I mean, you don't even have to stress out uh, with a, 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 some of these Bibles because they put all the readings for January 6th on that day. So you don't have to do the hard work of, you know, turning the pages to get to the readings. They're just all right there. That's fine. No problem there. Um, you can find so many helps on your phone. There is an app called the version. that's Y-O-U, and it's a free app, and there are literally hundreds of versions of the Bible in all kinds of languages. I don't even know how many there are on this. Um, there are dozens of English Bibles that are here that you can have access to for free. Some of you go, well, I don't like to read. I have trouble reading, and some of us do. Um, well, this app comes with multiple audio versions of the Bible, all for free, all for free. See, what this all boils down to, quite honestly, is you don't have any excuse. No one has an excuse. Some of you are saying, well, I don't understand what I read. Well, I don't understand what I read all the time either. I mean, if that surprises you, you need to be surprised, okay? But that doesn't mean you quit reading. When you don't understand what you read, you just keep reading and you ask questions and you find help, but you don't quit. You don't stop. You don't give up. We make it a priority. Second part of the plan is meditate on God's word. Psalm 119.99 says, I have insight more than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. As you're reading God's word, you're taking some time to ponder what it is saying to you. Because what the mind repeats, it retains. 
So what is God saying to me? I think about that. I, I let that sink in. I take some notes. I write things down as God speaks to me through his word. And then uh, as part of that, you memorize God's word. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Are you memorizing some parts of God's word that really speak to you, that you really need to understand and hear? Now, I know when I preach a message like this, I am swimming upstream against the current of our culture. I know that many of you don't like to read. I know that some of you actually struggle with reading. And we now live in an age that's media-saturated and tech-dominated and and escape and diversion and distraction are everywhere. And many people don't see a need to read. It's just a lot easier to kind of swipe through social media or binge watch Netflix or Hulu or whatever. There's a lot of competition out there for reading. So the question becomes, what are you choosing? Some of you are asking, (laughs) you're kind of amped up about this, Pastor Mike. I mean, Why are you making a big deal about this? I don't get it. Here's my answer, because God, the God of the universe, has revealed himself, and he's put it in a book, and he's spoken to you through a book. The God of the universe has spoken, and he's spoken to you, and he's told you what he's like, and he's put it in a book, and you can read it, and you can learn it, and you can know him. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Don't give up the treasures of God's word for the cheap plastic trinkets and junk that our culture offers us to replace that. God has revealed himself in a book. He's told us who he is. He's shown us how we can be saved. He's told us how we can live our lives, and it's in a book. We need the attitude of the psalmist in Psalm 119. It says, they will always be my most prized possession and my source of joy. I have made up my mind to obey your laws forever, no matter what. Have you done that? You know, last week we we gave out these choice cards and some of you saw those and we have more for you. And one of the choices in this card, and these are things to think through and keep yourself focused uh, this year, is uh, is God's word or my plans. At the bottom of the card, you may remember we left something blank so you could put something personal in there. And if you didn't do that, I have a suggestion for you, uh, a choice. Make a plan or don't. That's your choice. You can make a plan or you can't. You know, you've all heard the old saying, you either make a plan or you plan to fail. And if we don't read God's word, we're going to miss out on all that God has for us. And so I'm asking you, will you commit yourself to reading God's word this year? And if you don't read, what's your excuse? Too busy? Not enough time? Poor reader? What's your excuse? I'm going to close um, by telling you some stories. And the purpose of these stories, I'm going to let you know ahead of time, the purpose of these stories I'm going to tell you is to embarrass us for a moment. Okay, can I do that? Uh, If you don't want me to, it's too bad. I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, But uh, here's the first story. These are some snapshots about some Christ followers and their appetites for God's word in other parts of the world. The first one is of a guy named Ahmed who lives in Egypt, and he's a truck driver in Egypt. And um, he loves Jesus. And that's one of the reasons that the secret police there periodically uh, round Ahmed up and beat the crud out of him because Ahmed knows where 42 Muslim friends, uh, people who used to be members of the radical Muslim Brotherhood but now profess faith in Christ, he knows where they are. They're hiding someplace, and he won't tell the secret police where. And when this story came out, the last time they had picked him up, They hung him upside down naked for hours, and they beat him unconscious. But he wouldn't talk. After this, he he met up with some Christians, and they got this story out, and he told them this. He said, I've got good news. The last time I visited my 42 friends, they had just finished going through the Bibles I gave them for the eighth time. How many of us? 
haven't gone through the Bible one time. Second snapshot, it's a group picture. It's the church uh, of, uh, in China. Maybe you know the history. In 1949, Mao Zedong came to power, and it was his goal to eradicate Christianity. If you were found in possession of a Bible, you could be imprisoned and tortured, even executed. So Bibles tended to disappear. And if you were a Christ follower and you came across a copy of the Bible, you would hand copy it so you could hide the hand copy of that Bible somewhere else. And people would study these hand copied manuscripts of the Bible. If a church happened, a church happened to have its own copy of the Bible, one Bible for the church, they would tear the pages of that Bible into pieces and hand it out to the different church members so that when some of them got confiscated, they would still have some other ones that they could read and they could study together. On occasions in China, Christians would even dig up the graves of Christ followers, relatives, because before 1949, it was kind of a Chinese custom to bury Christians holding a Bible. They would dig up graves, do anything possible to get their hands on a Bible so they could read it and hear God speak to them in it. And there were 4 million Christians in China in 1949. And despite 70 years of persecution now, we are told there are probably well past 100 million believers in China. People of the book. One more. Evangelist Robert Sumner wrote a book called The Wonder of the Word of God, and he he tells a story about a man in Kansas City who was severely injured in an explosion. His face was badly disfigured. He lost his eyesight. He also was burned badly on his body, and so he lost uh, the feeling in his hands. And he had just become a Christian before this happened, and and he was so disappointed that he could no longer read the Bible. And one day he heard this story uh, of a lady in England who couldn't feel and couldn't see for some reason, and she had learned how to read Braille with her lips. And he thought, maybe I can do this. And so he got a friend to get him some books of the Bible in Braille, but when he got them, he discovered that the nerve endings in his lips had been too badly damaged to distinguish the characters. And as he tried to read the Bible with his lips, one day, accidentally, his tongue touched the Braille characters, and he realized he could feel some of those raised characters. And he thought to himself, maybe I can read the Bible using my tongue. When Robert Sumner wrote his book, this man had read through the Bible four times with his tongue. Four times. Do you think that if he could discipline himself to do that, maybe, just maybe, you could discipline yourself to read the Bible every day? See, I tell you this because after hearing stories like this, I'm just daring you to say, I don't have the time. It's like, are you kidding me? This is God's word that he has given to us. And we have free access to it anytime, anywhere we want to read it. What could be more important? God has spoken to us in his word, and it's a treasure. It's a gift. We should open it, and we should receive all the grace, all the truth, all the purpose and meaning that he has for us in it. Would you bow your heads as we pray?